welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, October 16th, 2022. Today's sermon is from Psalm 42 and 43. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Well, good morning. Some of you have never seen me stand here before, so I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Um, I want to thank you and the elders because this is a great privilege to stand here and it's also a great responsibility. It doesn't matter if it's John or me or one of the other elders when they're standing here they're speaking for God. So you should be praying for John every time he preaches. And I want to say thank you the text messages that I've received this week, of the people praying for me. Such an encouragement. And I appreciate you all. Um, today's a difficult subject. You guys have heard me talk on different things from apologetics to whether we can believe uh, in Genesis, how it's written. Um, today I'm taking a really divergent turn for me. And uh, grace has experienced a lot of this sorry grace has experienced a lot of this um, in the 15 years 14 15 years that I've been here um, we've seen family members pass away grace people pass away we've seen family members of grace people pass away we've seen sickness here uh, cancers and uh, people that have injuries. Um, you guys, if you've been here for, for more than six years, I was one of those six years ago. Um, this is not something that is unique to grace, but it's also something that all of us, if we haven't dealt with it yet, you young folks, you young couples, you children, it's coming. And because it's coming, we need to know what Scripture says to us on how we deal with it before it comes. Because if you don't understand what God expects from you, when it does come, you're going to feel like a ship tossed and, and turned by the waves. We're going to talk about the waves. So this is important. Sorrow. Despair, anxiety, suffering. What causes this? Well, the first and obvious thing for many true teaching churches, sin causes this. Right? It's always going to be our first go-to. It's sin that did this. Well, it could be. Um, it could be your sin that's caused where you are the difficulties you're seeing. But my car accident was not caused by my sin. I, I didn't do anything, as far as I know, that caused me to be in a car accident. It could be the sin of somebody else, somebody doing something to you. Again, my car accident was not caused by somebody doing something to me. 
But some of you may be experiencing things in your life that are caused by somebody else's sin. Or in the sake of my car accident, sin in general. You know I love the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, Adam sins. And because Adam sins, we now have death, suffering, pain, disease. All of this are effects of sin. So ultimately, sin is the reason why this is happening. Um, how does that portray itself in our lives? Because it's easy to, to talk about what Scripture teaches, but we need to look at our lives and say, this is where this connects. Um, we've talked about sickness already. Grace has seen a lot of that. Um, wayward children. Pam and I deal with this on a regular basis. Wayward grandchildren. We're not there yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Wayward home group members. Home group members deal with this on a regular basis. People who lie about you or to you. People who are unjust, unkind, or just thoughtless. You've, honestly, you didn't even come into their mind when they did what they did. So how have you dealt with those bad feelings? Because that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the feelings of, of sorrow. We're talking about the feelings of anxiety, of depression, suffering. Those are all feelings. And one of the things that I like to say is feelings are not a sin. Feelings are a road sign. Sometimes it's pointing to sin. Sometimes it's not. So what, what's, how are you dealing with it when that road sign comes? When you start to have sorrow because you've lost a family member or you're suffering because of an illness, or you're suffering because of something that's been done to you. How do you respond to that? We're gonna, do you feel like often that God is silent? Maybe He is. For a reason. We're going to talk about that. Um, maybe He doesn't answer the way you want Him to. Sometimes, and Pam and I are having this conversation this week, uh, Sometimes he answers, you just don't like the answer, so you want to say God didn't answer you. You're wanting a yes, he said no, you're not happy with that. Possibly. Maybe he didn't answer and didn't answer and didn't answer and you didn't think you could endure and then the answer finally comes. And you felt that God was not being fair to you because he waited too long to give you your answer. What does Scripture say about this? Well, we're going to talk through Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. So if you would please turn to Psalm 42 and 43. Many believe that Psalm 42 and 43 were actually one psalm. Okay? Um, originally, when you look back at the Hebrew text, there's a couple things that stick out to you. The first thing is, is that all of the psalms in this section have headings. Psalm 43 does not which means it was probably connected to Psalm 42. Uh, the thoughts that are in Psalm 43 seem to be continuations of what's going on in 42. And the repetition that we see in 43 verse 5 is repeating what happens in 42.5 and 42.11. So there's kind of a repetition here. 
So we're going to treat 42 and 43 as if they are one and the same. We don't know who wrote the psalm. Some, some commentators believe David did. We don't know who wrote it, but it was written for the sons of Korah, who were basically the um, worship leaders in the tabernacle. So it was written for them to perform. What we do know, there's a lot going on in this psalm. So normally I would start with God, since he's mentioned in some form, um, God, thy, thee, thou, you, him, depending on which version of the Bible you, you use, 33 times in 16 verses. That's, that's a lot, right? We should be starting there. But I want to start with where the psalmist is first. Okay, so let's go through this really quick. I want you to follow along with me. I'm not going to read it yet. I'm going to point out specific things, okay? Verse 1 and 2, my soul pants, my soul thirsts. There's, a, there's almost a longing here, right? Uh, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. My tears have been my food day and night. Verse 3, where they say to me all day long, where is your God? Where is God? Verse 4, I remember and I pour out my soul within me. Verse 5, why are you in despair, O my soul, and why are you disturbed within me? Again, verse 6, my soul is in despair. Verse 7, waterfalls, breakers, waves. Verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Verse 10, shattering of my bones. My adversaries reproach me again. Where is your God? Verse 11, why are you in despair? Why is your soul disturbed within you? 43.1, unjust people, unholy nations, deceitful people, unrighteous, evil people. Verse 2, again, why have you rejected me? Verse 5, again, why are you in despair? Why is your soul disturbed? What are you noticing about the psalmist? There's a lot going on here. His heart is being ripped out. The emotions are raw. They are real. So what does this tell us about God? Well, if you look at verse 2, he says, when shall I come and appear before God? Verse 7, he says, your waterfalls, your breakers have rolled over me. God is doing this to me. Verse 9, why have you forgotten me? 43.2, why have you rejected me? Do you sense the desperation in this man? Do you hear echoes from your own life? So what does the psalmist know of God? This is important. Is he an arbitrary judge who just allows these evil things to happen? Maybe he's powerless. He doesn't really have the power to fix this. Or he's just mean-spirited and he just doesn't want to fix it. He likes seeing you suffer. We need to understand how the psalmist sees God so that we can understand what he's saying in Psalm 42 and 43. So let's talk about that. We're going to work our way through the Old Testament here. Some of you knew this was coming, okay? 
God allows anxiety, depression, sadness, and suffering. God allows this. Ecclesiastes 7. See the work of God. Who is able to straighten what God has bent? In the day when there is good, be of good cheer. But in the day when there is evil, remember, God has made one as well as the other. Lamentations 3. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if he causes, if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness, for he does not afflict from his heart. There's an implicit thing here. God's afflicting. He's doing it. Job, we've been reading through Job uh, the last few months uh, and during the service. Job chapter 1. The Lord is given and the Lord is taken away. And then again in Job 2, after Job's wife thrashes him verbally, shall we indeed accept good from God and not also accept calamity? God allows suffering. God allows sorrow. You dealing with anxiety? God allows anxiety. Second thing, God doesn't cause sin. God himself doesn't sin. But God does judge sin. Psalm 5, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. Habakkuk 1.13 Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. And then Exodus 34.7 He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And you can... Um, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. I don't live with blinders on. I don't stand here you're not sitting there. You're not listening to this. And I'm not so ignorant to believe that everybody sitting here is a true believer in Jesus Christ. There's two other types of people that may be sitting here, and I have to speak to you at this moment because what I have to say moving forward is not going to mean a thing to you if you're in one of these two categories. Number one, if you're an unbeliever, Maybe you're somebody who has never heard this before. Or you could be somebody that has heard this before. And like one of our sons has said, I've heard it all. I know what the truth is, but I'm just not done with my fun yet. You're in great peril. In rejecting God and His Word, there is no compassion for you there is no mercy for you there is no kindness from god for you romans 3:10 none are righteous no not one romans 3:23 all have sinned and romans 6:23 the wages of that sin is death if you reject what Christ has done for your sin, 
the only thing you can look forward to is judgment. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Only in Christ will compassion, mercy, and forgiveness flow to you. You must repent. Second person that I need to speak to. Are you playing church? Oh, he's gone from preaching to meddling. You're in great, great danger. And I speak as this who is one who played church for so long. I grew up in the church. I knew every song. I heard every sermon. I went to a church in Indiana. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But it was not real. You may, have gone to, you may go to Sunday school. You may know all the right answers. You may make it every Sunday. You may go to home group. You may go to the missions banquet. You may have gone on a mission trip with grace. You may come in on Sunday mornings and help set up and tear down the chairs or the sound equipment. And if you do, we do appreciate that. You may have walked an aisle or said a prayer 20 years ago and got baptized. But you haven't repented yet. You haven't agreed with God that your sin separates you from Him. And because of that, you're just as lost as the unbelieving friend. Because you think that all of the things that you have done gets you just a little bit closer to Christ. And it doesn't. Matthew 7, 21-23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, in, in your name, didn't we prophesy? And didn't we cast out demons? And didn't we do many miracles? And then I will declare that to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But you know what? If you've been in the church all this time, that's very familiar to you. You probably could have quoted it with me. So let me make this a little more real for you. Lord, Lord, I've gone to church every Sunday and I set up the chairs. And I've gone to the mission trip in New York and, and we shared the gospel in Central Park. And I've been to every home group and I've even, led, I've even taught a lesson in home group before. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If this is a game for you, the good things that you have done is lawlessness. Isaiah 64 says it's filthy rags. Bloody, stinking, filthy rags. Psalm 138 says, Though the Lord is exalted, He sees the lowly. Proverbs 3 said, God scoffs at the scoffers, but it gives, He gives grace to the humble. Only the repentant, the humble, the lowly can know, number three, God is, from his heart, a God of compassion and mercy. You've been hearing, if you've been in the adult Sunday school class, 
not only recently, but since January, we've been going through this book called Gentle and Lowly. This is what that entire Sunday school class is about. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. I love, we have to come back to verse 6 because 6 comes before 7. Remember the judgment in verse 7? 6 comes before 7. Yahweh, Yahweh God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet by no means leaves the guilty unpunished. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. It's the hinge between God's justice and God's mercy. If you don't repent, if you don't agree with God about your sin, all you have is judgment. But once you repent, the compassion and mercy of God flows freely to you. God is who is slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. Compassion, compassionate and gracious is repeated through the Old Testament. All of these places, God speaks to His compassionate his loving kindness, his gracious, the fact that he is slow to anger. This is the God that the psalmist knows. This is important because only by knowing this God will Psalm 42 and 43 make sense to you. So let's return to Psalm 42 and 43. I've been away from it. Let's come back. And now we're going to work our way through. I'm going to try to do this quickly. But there's so much here. I want you to look for two things. Look how he sees God. And how can you start seeing God in the same way? Verse 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Why does a deer pant? Because he's hot, right? There's heat going on. Verse 1 and 2, we're getting it right at the beginning. There is a lot going on with the psalmist. We're not talking about heat sitting out on the porch when it's 80 degrees outside. We're talking about there is suffering and there is pain and there is sorrow going on. And he's telling you right now, it's so bad I'm in a drought. I am thirsting for who? For you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is where his focus is. When you are going through your sorrow, your suffering, what are you longing for? Is your gut reaction in that moment to long after God? Or... Longing after someone who has passed away. Longing after the distance between you and a family member who has gone 2,000 miles away to go to school. 
longing between you and a family member whose decisions have separated them from you. Longing for the old days. That's kind of what he does in verse 4. For I used to go along with the throng and lead, with, lead them in the procession to the house of God with the sound of a shout of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. He's remembering. Do we do that in a bad way? Well, in my old church, well, man, when I was back in high school, those were the best days of my life. In my old job, are you remembering the wrong things? Or is your longing after God? Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Where are your tears? In your sorrow, if your sorrow is great, it replaces your hunger for food. You can't sleep you can't eat, and the sorrow just comes out as tears. It's all it does. I cry at night, I cry in the morning, I cry in the afternoon. The sorrow is it's ripping my heart out. The psalmist is there. And then the people around him says, oh, wow, look at you. Where's your God? You're going to have him. Thought you were a Christian. These things shouldn't happen to a Christian, right? You've heard it. And then he remembers. I used to go along with the throng. I used to worship with the church. Verse 5. Get this. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? What's the answer? He rebukes himself. Wait for God. Some of your versions may say, Hope in God. Why? I will still praise Him. In my despair, in my sorrow, in my disturbed soul, I will still praise Him for the salvation of His presence. He may not take you out, but His presence will be your salvation. Verse 6, oh my God, he knows who he's talking to. But Greg, it, I've done that. And it comes back. The sorrow comes back and the despair comes back and the suffering comes back and it's not supposed to. Verse 6, oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Didn't he just rebuke himself? And it's back. The sorrow is back. The despair is back. And it seems like God hasn't answered. Therefore, such a great word in Scripture. Therefore, is there for a reason. It's telling you what came before, now, I, my soul is in despair within me, therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mazar. The psalmist is saying, I don't see you working right now, but I remember when you did. I remember when Israel came over from the Jordan and you defeated 
Jericho, and you defeated Ai, and you defeated the Philistines. And he works his way through the land of the Jordan in his mind because he's seen God work, and he's seen God work, and he's seen God work, and you have seen God work here at Grace. You need to understand that right now there may not be an answer, but you can remember what he has done. Just look here. I should not have survived that accident. Don't know why I was put through that accident. But I am thankful that God used you in my life the way he did. I remember what he has done. Do you remember what he has done? Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers, all your waves have rolled over me. He is not denying the fact that God is doing this to him. Do you deny the fact that God has put you in the situation that you're in? But what's his response? This is the point. What's his response? Look at verse 8. By day, Yahweh will command his loving kindness. Here's that compassion coming out again. And by night, his song will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Have you considered the fact that you can have the right focus in the midst of your suffering and still not be able to sleep at night? And by night, his song will be with me. Uh, I, I sent a, um, a podcast to my wife and to my daughter this week about, it was a podcast talking about when you can't sleep. And I appreciate the podcast that I listen to, and I appreciate the things that they say because they're, they're from Scripture, but right here, right here, and by night his song will be with me. What do you do when you can't sleep at night? You're going through sorrow. You're going through suffering, you have despair, you have anxiety, and you can't sleep. What do you do? Well, let's see. What do most people in our world do today? Um, they read trash novels. Um, guys will jump on their phone, their iPad, or their computer and surf the internet. Uh, if you've got a, and you can tell I teach middle school and elementary school. Um, I don't know what the current rendition is, PS5, PS17, Xbox 23, whatever those game systems are, right? They jump on and they start this. Can't sleep, so might as well do something. What does Scripture say you need to do? And by night, his song will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Those times that you can't sleep, Put a set of headphones in and listen to some good quality worship music. Okay? Headphones so you don't wake everybody else in the house up. Fill your mind with God's Word. And you're saying, okay, well, what about prayers? I can't pray. It's too hard. I can't focus. My mind's not. It's racing. I can't stop it from going. What do I do? Um... Why don't you turn to Psalm 42 and 43? 
The greatest prayer book in the entire world is the book of Psalms. So if you can't pray because your mind won't slow down to allow you to pray, read the prayers that God has given you. There's 150 of them. One of two things will happen. You'll go to sleep or morning will come and you will be refreshed simply by God's word. Does that mean you won't be tired? Nope, you'll still be tired. But your soul will be refreshed. So we're understanding that not just in 42 and 43, but in Psalm 73 and in Psalm 51 and Psalm 23, that God continues to be with you through this. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock. He still knows where his focus is, but what's the question? Why have you forgotten me? Verse 10, shattering of my bones, my adversaries reproach me while they say to me all day long, all day long, all day long, where is your God? I thought you were a Christian. You got family members. I've got family members who claim to be Christians. And the minute I get in trouble, they're going to point their finger at me and say, I thought you were a Christian. Why are you upset? Why are you worried? How many of you here at Grace? No No hands, please. When you hear somebody else is suffering, they have anxiety. They have sorrow over something that happened a year ago. Your first thought is to say, I thought you were a Christian. Are you part of the problem? Something for you here too. Verse 11 comes right back. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God. And I will yet praise Him. Notice the change here. The salvation of my presence and my God. Have things changed? No. Is there still despair? Yes. Is He still disturbed? Is there anxiety? Is there suffering? Yes. Has His focus changed? He's more focused on who God is. Do you see the addition from verse 5 to verse 11? And my God. 5.43.1, give justice to me. He knows that the people, the unholy nation that he's talking about is being unjust. Oh, protect me from the deceitful, the liars from the unrighteous, the evil people around me. Protect me from them. Is he given that protection? Well, we're not told he is. But look where he goes anyway. Number verse 2. For you are the God of my strength. And then look what comes right next behind it. Why have you rejected me? He knows who God is. He knows where his strength comes from. And he still feels rejected. Verse 3. Oh, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. 
Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God my God. Sounds like he's reached the end, doesn't it? Where do you put your trust? I got this. Okay, God, I got this. I can get myself out of this. I'm going to fight this. Unjust people, people lying to me. Unrighteous people doing things to me. I got this. Maybe you just ignore it and hope it goes away. Maybe you get busy setting up chairs and tearing down chairs and putting up sound equipment and hoping to distract yourself from the reality. Where does the writer of Psalm go? Send out your light and your truth and let them guide me. Now, we're going to jump to the New Testament just for a second because you need to hear this. Who is the light of the world? Jesus Christ. Send me your light. Who, where do we find the truth? Right here. So where do you go when you need something to trust? Can you trust yourself? If you've had those emotions, you know you can't trust your emotions. But you can trust the light of Christ and the truth of His Word because you know where it leads. Then I will go to the altar of God. So, has God taken the psalmist out of this? Read verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Wait for God, for I shall still praise Him. I shall still praise Him. So, has God taken the psalmist out of this? No. Has God fixed the problem? He's not rejecting. He's not forgotten. No. Has He taken away the bad feelings? No. The sorrow is still there. The suffering is still there. The anxiety, the hurt, it's still there. Did God directly answer the psalmist's questions? Why have you rejected me? Why have you forgotten me? No, he has not answered. So what do you do? Three things and we're done. Number one, godly people know what to do with bad emotions where I said we were going to end is where I said at the beginning. You have to know what to do with this stuff before it happens so that you can prepare yourself. Godly people know what to do with bad emotions. There, there are a number of things I can hit here. I've got like seven in my notes. I'm going to hit three. First thing, verse 2 of chapter 42. My soul pants for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He says it twice in three different ways. You have to, in the heat of your situation, make sure that you tell yourself to thirst after God. Yes, the emotions are there. Yes, the frustration is there. Yes, the hurt is there. But you tell yourself where you need to focus. As a believer, the Spirit of God living in you makes this possible. If you are an unbeliever or somebody who's playing church, this is not going to make any sense to you. Second thing, verse 6 and verse 9. Remember. Remember what God has done. If you can't remember what God has done, talk to one of our elders because they'll be able to tell you what God has done here. Talk to your home group leaders. They're going to be able to recount what God has done here so that you can see what God has done. Remember what He has done. And three, when you can't sleep, and you can't eat, sing and pray. And sometimes you can't physically sing. But you can hear it, and your mind can go with it. You can read it, and your mind can go with it. Because there's going to be times when you can't do it yourself. Number three. Sorry, got ahead of myself. Number two. Know how to ask God why in the right way. Take your laments, take your sorrows, take your suffering to God. Jesus in Matthew 27 and Mark 15 said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He already knew the answer. And he still asked the question. Job. Chapter 7, verse 20. Chapter 10, verse 2. Chapter 10, verse 18. Chapter 13, verse 24. Four different times he asks God why. But he asks God why. Number three. Cling to the truth despite the circumstances. Think of Job chapter 2 verse 10 from earlier. Job's wife says, curse God and die. Why hold on to your integrity? He wasn't holding on to his integrity. Do you know why? Because he was holding on to the God that he knew and he trusted that if he's going to take it away, it's because it's his to take away. Job was doing this, clinging to the truth. Verse 5, 11, chapter 43, verse 5. 
Cling to the truth. Wait for God, the salvation of your presence. Verse 9, remember, when you think God has forgotten you, He is your rock. Verse 2 of chapter 43, God is your strength. These are the truths to cling to. God is my strength even when I'm feeling rejected. And I'm going to close Psalm 43, verse 21. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within and I was senseless and ignorant, and I was like an animal before you. Nevertheless, this is the psalmist speaking to God. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand, and with your counsel you will lead me. And afterward you will take me to glory. Let's pray. Father, we lift up those that are with us today that are suffering and they have sorrow. God, help them to cling to your truth that you are compassionate and gracious and you love them even with the things that are going on. Father, we pray for those that are going to walk through it with other people. They're not suffering. They're not sorrowful, but they have people around them that are. Help them to remember God is compassionate and gracious. And help them to love the other person with compassion and graciousness. And Father, I pray for those who judge those who suffer. Father, in your great mercy, do not have them go through what the others are going through, but draw their heart to you. Help them to see your compassion and your mercy and help them to accept it for themselves first. Christ, help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row NYMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.